Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. We all know the cry room too well at church, the place we don't want to go. But feel we have to because of our situation. As Catholic families, many parts of our life can feel like a virtual cry room. We're stuck and don't know how to get out. Host Joe Holt and John Cox will discuss these current challenges affecting today's families. And provide practical solutions so you are no longer stuck in the cry room. Welcome to Stuck in the Cry Room. I am Joe Holtz. I'm John Cox. And today we invited our guest to return, um, our special guest, Father C.J. Mast. Um, just we had a really great conversation that we wanted to have with all of you today regarding um, just the shifting in demographics kind of within the church. And we know that um, C.J. being the the young funky uh, priest that he is, um, that just thought he can lend himself to a lot of insight for all of us. Um, and uh, yeah, sure, the energy. <laughs> well, he definitely has he a lot of energy. I t- you can't be tired around. Well, no, you can you, be tired after. just watching him. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. it's it's exhausting. But anyway, he's a lot of fun. <laughs> so um, I think it might be great just because of the amount of content we're going to have in the conversation to begin with a prayer. Sure, so if you absolutely. Can lead us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, come. Please enlighten this conversation. Um, please let this speak uh, your words and uh, help this to be a fruitful conversation about how we can bring uh, all of God's children back into the church and help us to always remember that the first and only thing that is important is that you are at work and help us to remember that. Uh, you work nonstop, and you desire it more than we do, and help us to increase our faith and trust in you, uh, that you're still working in the midst of all the craziness that this year has experienced so far. And Mother Mary, we ask that you wrap your mantle of protection around us, uh, all of the parishioners at St. Thomas More, and uh, all of your children, and we ask that you lead them closer to your Son. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you. We're so glad that you are joining us again to have a great conversation. John and I, we've had a lot of, with us both working for the church, you know, John in catechesis and myself in marriage and family life. We've had some conversations, especially recently, just about the shifting of the landscape mm-hmm. that we're seeing in, in the church. You know, I, I do get the opportunity to speak with mostly families or I would say younger families for baptism, you know, or young couples that are beginning the preparations for marriage. Um, and then sometimes, you know, obviously when, when parents have uh, teenagers and uh, they're finding themselves in difficult, challenging situations and figuring out how to navigate through all those waters, they they come into my office and have conversations with me. Um, and John, I know you're preparing a lot of... Yes, no, a lot of middle, you know, families in their 30s and 40s, basically having young, young children or... Um, for those larger families, it might be the end tail, tail end of things and their last right. child receiving the sacrament. So a lot of sacramental prep. And um, I think a lot of it too, it's actually what's interesting. I think one of the big things is um, I hear a lot of, I, I have a Bible class during the day for retired people. And the biggest thing is um, how do I get my kid back into the church? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest issue they're facing. And I think they're very scared of that, of, of their children leaving the faith. Mm. Um 
So I think we see two things. I think we see that there are young adults, let's say 20 to 30s, um, that a lot of them want to be engaged mm-hmm. and they want to be connected to the church, but they really just don't know how to sink their feet into it. And they feel intimidated by it. And I think at the same respect, we have those people who are just trying to do what's right. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're coming to the church, they're coming to John, myself, you know, the staff to be able to help them through the sacraments. Sure. Um, and then after that, it kind of just dwindles off. And I know we keep reevaluating what we're doing and how we do it. And gosh, what are we missing? We must be doing something wrong here because we feel like this amazing love for Jesus. Yeah. Uh, both of us do. And I think it's, I think what it is, it comes down to a thirst that's never satisfied. Um, I always, I always like the movie. You ever see the movie Schindler's List? Have you seen it? No, I haven't. No. I need to see you that. You need to see it. But you, if you were, <laughs> but another one, put that on the list. Right. Schindler's uh, list. No, but there's a, there's a great scene at the very end. And uh, basically the Nazis are coming in to take over the factory and everything. So he has to escape because he was saving uh, the Jews and stuff. And I'll never forget. He comes and you know, the Nazis are coming after him. And he's not even concerned about that. All he sees is like rescuing Jews. So he's like, oh, this coat. Let's sell the coat. This coat can save to two Jewish people. Oh, oh, my, my, my ring. My ring can, you know, I'll sell it. We can save five. And he's just, all he's doing, he has this unquenchable thirst to save uh, the Jewish people. And he looks at the car that he's going to escape and say, let's sell the car. Just, you know, we can rescue a hundred. And all the Jews that he saved come out of the background. Mm-hmm. And finally they put him in the car and he's able to escape. And I think every time I see that scene, I always think I love that scene because it reminds me of my thirst and right. I need to have that thirst for the salvation of souls. Um, you know, I think in RCIA, you know, those people who didn't go through RCA, who got left behind or in confirmation or whatever, like, like, even though people say, John, you did a great job. I'm like, yes, I did. But what about those, that one sheep that got left behind or these people that could have been helped? And I think that's, that's the first step as you're saying, Joe, um, that simple, that thirst for the salvation of souls. You can't do evangelization or help people unless you thirst for the salvation of souls. Um, if you don't have that, uh, nothing else works, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that you, yeah. I mean, what you're saying is that you should have experienced that yourself. Yeah. And if you have not, if you do not have a burning love and desire for Jesus Christ and intimacy ministry. with him. Yeah. I mean, just in general, um, I think that's a great place to start Yeah. to, to figure out how to, how to feel that, how to find that because yeah. When you tell me about that scene in the mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've told me about this before, but what I'm thinking about is like, he is just so focused about saving these people and just, I don't want to quit. I don't want to stop. You know, you think about the woman at the well and oh my gosh, yeah. I just experienced this. And now I'm going to mm-hmm. go ahead and run off and, and go tell everybody or at the tomb, you know, yeah. I, I just have to tell everybody how many of us are really doing that, you know, ourselves yeah. right now. Um, but I find it difficult just for for me, um, now I think I'm middle aged. That's what I hear. I don't, you're a young hit I don't mom. feel I don't feel middle aged, but you're, you're a young hit mom, <laughs> Joe Holt. That was the nicest thing yep. anybody said to me today. <laughs> I'll, I'll just even though you quiet. haven't seen Dark Knight. No, I haven't trilogy. seen Dark. Oh gosh, I still have to watch that. Okay, so um, yeah, no, but I, I think, um, and I also think about our ministry leaders. You know, we have a lot of ministries at our at our parish community and um you know that the leaders and that are you know are are moving on and you know no one's there to fill up those spaces so you know you're kind of i would classify you as a millennial 
Is that sure. fair to say? I'm a young millennial. Okay, so, um, so you're Almost a young Gen person. Z. You're a nice young person yeah. here. <laughs> sure. But um, but you might have some insight. I mean, do sure. you have some guidance for us a little bit? Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it is like just my own experience with the faith. So even though I was raised cradle Catholic, uh, I knew when I went into college, especially. But even even throughout high school, I said, I said, the faith to me is going to be an all or nothing thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this whole go to mass thing and just sit there and not really go with, know what's going on. I'm like, uh, if it's, if it's not real, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fall into that, you know, and um, just in a sense, waste time doing something that I don't want to do. And so in high school, late high school and early college, I just started asking a lot of deeper questions that I really wanted to know. And I think that that's, that's something that the youth today are thirsting for, even though they don't know it. So they, everybody searches for life questions, like what is the meaning of life? What happens after death? Can I actually be happy forever? What does that actually look like? Um, and uh, so I, I had the faith to kind of like, I was cradle Catholic, but it really took me asking those intellectual questions to come to realize that wow, the faith makes so much sense. And it's not just something that I do on Sunday. It actually like, it's my, I incorporate my entire life into it. And that's the only way I can have meaning in life. So do you think other people your age are asking these questions or just you? Cause it seems like, or, you know, that's, I guess that's the question. Yep. Is it just you or so do you think like really your generation are really genuinely asking these questions and searching this out or they're just kind of going with the flow of things and, and afraid to ask the questions as you were saying earlier. I think that there's some fear to ask the questions. I, I also think that like, you know, sometimes they won't ask those questions. I, I call it escapism. Um, mm. It's, it's like they, they don't want to do that searching because, okay. What, what happens if you find out that the faith is real? What's the next logical step? Like eventually, I would say, yeah, thinking through reason. Like, what's the next logical step? You conform your life to exactly reality. Exactly, you have to conform your life, which means you have to die to self. Right. There are certain parts of your life that have to die because you you are you are transformed by the truth. You're you're Mm -hmm. pierced by the truth. You see that it's true, and then you see that your life isn't conformed to that. And so, in a sense, you have to die to self, and that takes suffering. That's why suffering is essential for the Christian because it's it's basically saying like, in order for you to turn your life, you will have to die to self in a lot of ways, in all things. Yeah, but it's very cultural yeah. nowadays, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. So I would say that I would say that people don't ask as deep because they, in a sense, might afraid. be afraid. But it's also like they they haven't given reasons why not to believe yeah. uh, believe the faith. And so, you know, you find this a lot more in um, young people than you think. To be honest, I think that the whole, like, addiction to technology in a lot of ways is is an escapism. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They don't want to think about the suffering that is going on in their life, and so they need a way to get out of that. Mm. And, um, you know, and you see this a lot. You see it in other ways, too, like, you know, um, the whole... I don't know, movement with uh, environmental climate change mm-hmm. or whatever. They they kind of say, okay, there is no spiritual life. So now we're going to find the material life as like, how can we get the most amount of meaning in the material life? 
And so that, you know, because you need something to fight for. Every human being needs something to fight for. And I think I actually was thinking about that too. Yeah. Um, Because the the reason why it always falls short and they're dissatisfied is because in the end, it's the hunger for the eternal. And so anything that's temporal in this world that they fight for eventually will leave them hungering for more. It was very interesting. Father John, who was a hermit, um, he gave this beautiful homily. He gave this great example. He said, you know, imagine yourself in a desert. You can't see water. You can't touch it. You can't do it. But because you thirst, even though you can't see the water because you're in the desert, you thirst for it. You're, you're dying for it. It must exist. Yeah. And I think a good example, like these, these generations, they're so thirsty but there's no water. They're yeah, like, the, they're, like yeah. they're thirsty in the desert, but there's no water. They can't see it, no. and no one's there to tell them what they're thirsting for. Right. But, and but how do we break through how, that? Well, so I think I think a lot of it is is meeting them where they're at. So, if, okay, a couple things on just, I think, youth in today's culture, especially the U.S. and uh, probably uh, Western Europe. Um, so, first of all, like, there's no attachment to any tradition. So, <laughs> I mean, but, okay, but like, but like, think about it though. Think about it yeah. though. Um, do you know what the 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 um, Latin word where we get education from? No. the The Latin word is educare, which mm-hmm. means to lead out of darkness. Oh, to carry. So, yeah. so literally, like, what yeah. it what it would represent was um, your culture knew the meaning of life. Mm-hmm and knew the goods that life had to offer. And so then to be educated means that you would have passed that down. What are the good things in life? How do you live life well? Education was all about living life well. It was not about like receiving knowledge or being able to build a a computer or something. It was about learning how to live life well, which means you have to know what the goods of life are. The problem is that, you know, and you, you can tell how weak a culture is based on how weak their education system is. So we see in the education system, a lot of relativism, you know, what relativism speaks. It it, it literally says, we don't know what those goods are. There is nothing good in life. You have to create it yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to find out for yourself what the goods are and you have to create meaning for yourself. And so, um, and that's an impossible thing. Uh, and you're exactly right, John, like they, people might not be thinking about it that deeply, although it logically makes a lot of sense if you were to think about it for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, but they come to this point where it's like, I desire eternity and I can't find it anywhere. There's nothing Mm -hmm. in this world that, um, so, so your, your three options basically are really two options, either a you try to, so if you have no meaning in life, if no one has ever given you what meaning is, uh, you either A, have to create it for yourself and create it for other people around, which is going to be very relative and also impossible. But that's also where we get things like Nazis, Nazi Germany. Right. They, they, they become the Ubermensch. They, cr- they try to create the meaning for the world and it, it doesn't work. Right. Um, or you have to come to the conclusion of, there is no meaning in life. There is no meaning and redemption in suffering, but I still encounter that suffering. And therefore I, I would rather not encounter that suffering. And I, I think that but, that's honestly why we see raises in suicide in this culture nowadays. But there can be a, can't there be a third option saying, maybe I can go discover it and find it. 
Well, no, so that's the thing. So yeah. I would say, I would say like the in-between okay. in that is actually what I would call escapism. Okay. So I don't really want to think about it because I'm kind of at this point where it's like, I, there is no meaning in life, but I've been told I have to create it for myself, but uh, I can't really do that. So I'm just going to not think about it. I'm just going to try to do whatever I can. That's what we call like getting into the passions. You know, they're, they're led by the passions in a lot of ways. They're just trying to escape something. Right. So like every, every young person who is, is like, whether they think it or not, is trying to deal with these questions in a lot of ways. Like they come home from a tough day at school. They can either think deeply about it or they can escape it, right. you know? Um, but yeah, the third option is trying to, really it's, it's trying to figure out if that meaning is there. Yeah, and find do you it. do you have to do you have to create that meaning for yourself? And that's or, or that's does, what yeah, or does it exist outside of myself? Right, and I have and to that's, go find it. And that's the thing. That's why yeah. that's why revelation. Yeah. That's why when God when right. when Christians say that God reveals Himself, mm -hmm. what is He doing? He's revealing the meaning that humans have that the meaning that they are created for eternity, yeah. eternal life, and He offers it to us yeah. freely. Um, and we conform our lives to that because that is our ultimate happiness. Yeah. It's not like it's not like some large, I don't know, um, alien comes and says, like, if you obey me, I will give you eternal life. It's like, no. Um, what is that eternal life? It's God Himself. Right. It's 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 actually encountering the infinite and um beholding him, that human being, all of us, uh, and we will not find any rest any peace until we have found that where did you get that was that Augustine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you know me but we all have responsibility within the community yeah. to play a role in any of this right? right and so from what you're saying you're speaking from the perspective of the individual and what is going on inside of them and what they're thinking about but like all of us who are in relationship, whether it's like through the family, through friendships, through our own community, through our neighbors. I mean, we have a responsibility um, about sharing this yeah. or, or helping them to come to that. But what would that be? How would you go about doing that? I mean, if someone is really seeking out their truth and their purpose, you know, um, you know, how can you help them find it? Yeah. I mean, like, so that's, that's the thing. That's why the church, um, that's why the church is a, is a collective uh, peoples because it it's it's like the old adage of um, it takes a village to raise a, a child. Yeah, you know, like it takes a lot of people, and basically, um, the, the f sharing the faith is always supposed to be about sharing the message of the good news that Jesus has for your life, the message that He does have meaning for your life, mm -hmm. right? And that's the thing is, is, and I think we were talking about this a little earlier, like um, evangel evangelization, a evang evangelion in the Greek, uh, literally means like sharing of good news. And I think the problem is, in a lot of ways, um, is uh, if people don't know how good that news is, if they haven't experienced it for themselves, when they feel like they need to share it, they feel like they need to sell it to someone. Mm. And that's the thing, that's the thing. Going back to the youth, the youth are very much consumer-based. So they, they are constantly being sold things to. And they pick up, like it's so interesting, they pick up very quickly if they know that you're trying to sell them something versus trying to actually like tell them something that's very important for their lives. 
right? Which is which is where it's like you you meet them. You have to meet them where they're at. You can't sell the faith in general. You obviously you can't sell the faith to any generation. But um, with the youth, it's they they pick up on a Jesus Inc. You know, we can call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're trying to sell Jesus to them as a as a product, you know, and um, that's not the can good you, news. Can you share maybe an example? Um, and I know I'm calling you off guard here, but um, think about either something that you experienced from yourself or hypothetically speaking, you know, someone trying to sell Jesus Inc. instead yeah. of. Well, so this one's kind of, it's not, uh, this example is not touchy, but I just want to say that a lot of times youth will perceive this in the long light wrong light they they can sometimes see the offertory as like we give you something you give us something back mm. you know like you give us your money and then we'll give you whatever the there's a trade you know, there's there's like a trade thing mm. you know where it's obviously not that way like right. like you you follow christ um and uh and you are called as a citizen of heaven to support the church you know financially that's that's an important thing um it's one of the precepts of the of the church actually is to support the church financially. So it's it's good as a Catholic you need to share, but but like to youth that are constantly being told to like, you know, buy this, sometimes it can come away with that. So I'd say like if there's pastors that, you know, sometimes preach a little bit too much and, and granted they have a they have a good a good right to that because it is an important thing. Not just for the parish, but also it's a good thing for the individual to give money to something. But yeah, uh, this is a sacrifice. It's, kind it's of almost like it should be an altar call, you know, <laughs> <laughs> here's this great story. You know, now it's time to give. Maybe that's what our Protestant brothers and sisters do. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, th- that's not going to change. You know, I, is I what guess, I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's like, the that's, thing. I, I agree. And like, even for me, when my, in my, I'm, I sit in my office and I get, you know, 5,000 emails of buy this product, buy that product, this, the, buy this program, yeah. this will fix that, you know, use this program, you'll get all the, and, and so it's the same idea and the same thought process. Um, and the thing is, you know, what people are looking for authenticity and just saying, Building, you know, it's, I hate to say it, it's cliche, but it's true. You know, building that relationship. But the hard part is, is we're so busy with everything. Trying to build that relationship takes time and energy and, and things like that. And and like I said, when you have a business mindset, you don't have the time to sit down and have a conversation. That's one of the things I actually kind of like about doing Zoom and RCIA was like we kind of just went off topic. Like I didn't have anything prepared. We watched a video or whatever. And we just talked for like an hour and just answered questions. And actually that was, I think more fruitful than some of the classes. No. Yeah. Because like that's, that's another thing is like, you can't make the faith programmatic. Mm. You know, it very much is all about relationship. You know, it's, it's not like Jesus sent the the apostles out and was like, here's the curriculum. (laughs) curriculum. It was like, go share the good news that I've been raised from the dead. You know? So let me ask you this question. If I'm a ministry leader, if I'm running a ministry, you can buy my program. You know, I'm a ministry leader and I care very much about my ministry and and its purpose and what it's, what it's doing for the community. But um, I very much would like more participation coming into that ministry. And I see that there's a lot of young families or a younger audience that I would just love to figure out a way to get them more engaged in it. Would you have a recommendation for them on what they should do? Yeah. I mean, well, and I don't, I don't want to speak for all people, no, right? Because like there, like there are a lot of great ministry people. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes is it, do they allow their ministry to tell them their identity? So it's like, only if I have this great ministry, 
um, and I have yeah. a lot of people involved, will I say that I'm a good Christian or I'm actually mm. following their Christ? Their holiness is based on their Or ministry. their holiness is built yeah. on their ministry. So I, I think that's the first thing um, <clears throat> is, is based on that. Um, but also like, you know, ministry, I see, so I, what St. Thomas More has, what, 138 ministries? That's a lot. It's a lot. But but you, we always have to remember, like I saw this at Nackflam. Uh, it was like, it was like constant, you know, it was like all, every, every person had their own ministry. And that, that's great. Like every person has their own charisms and um, you're called to give you yourself. But those ministries serve a deeper ministry, which is allowing people to encounter Christ. Right. And so that, that's the thing. So it's like, it's like if you're finding people that aren't in coming to your ministry, you're always called to have disciples. You like Jesus did not say in, in the great commission, go and make ministries. Mm-hmm. He said, go, <laughs> go and make disciples. So right. it's, it's very relational. So it's like the question I have for people is, who are their disciples Mm. and do you have do you have disciples that are not even in your general area like are you trying to make disciples in new york and you're in california you know because really your your first disciples should be the people that are given to you you. so it's like it's like your family you know like your spouse that's your first disciple you know in a lot of ways and your children like you need to you need to disciple them um and uh, that's always what the, you know, your primary ministry and all the other ministries serve like those people knowing who Jesus Christ is. And so, right. and, and I think that that also should bring peace to people just knowing that like their ministry shouldn't yeah. build their identity. Have you, have you read the book, The Soul of the Apostle? Oh, I love The Soul of the Apostle. Right. So yeah, so last talking like, oh, that's just, this no, no, I mean, it's no, like I, <laughs> yeah. who I'm wrote formed it by the, um, Dom Chittard. Dom, yeah, okay. yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, so that book, do you know John Leindecker? No, I don't. So he was, he's a, he was a focus missionary at Colorado State. Um, he was my focus missionary, and uh, he's like this big guy, big personality. He like speaks at conferences and stuff. And yeah. it was uh, three months before my diaconate ordination, I was at the focus conference in Indianapolis. And he said, he said, have you read Soul of the Apostle? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, to be honest, I haven't. What? And he goes, he goes, <laughs> he looks at me and he like leans across the table and he goes, you will not get ordained until you have read Soul of the Apostle. <laughs> so I immediately. Joe, you need to read Dark Knight. Yeah. Watch Dark Knight. Watch or Dark, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joe, exactly. I'll show you that. I have a copy of the book. Uh, but it's, is yeah, it no, anything no. like the other book that you gave me? Because what I was really, the other book you gave I'm, I'm, I'm not a very good it reader. It was one on sloth um, by um, the monk, um, the, uh, the Benedictine monk. <sighs> the the orange one? I'm a basic reader. I, I'm, I'm not started, complex. She, she in my saw the word Thomas Aquinas and she, she passed out. That's pretty much was it. Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> like, it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, okay, okay. But really quick, really quick. Okay, like, like quick note on spiritual reading. Yeah. There's some books that are very much like specific uh, you know, they, they go into a specific topic. So mm-hmm. like Noonday Devil yeah. can be hard for people to read because it's like... That was it. Uh, Devil. I mean, it, it is very philosophical yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but there's there's kind of a hierarchy, I think, to some spiritual reading. And like Soul of the Apostle it's is like yeah. definitely in the top three. Like every Catholic should read it. And like, here's the thing. 
it's not a pretty book in yeah. the sense of like it can be dry, but the principles are there. So pretty much the the principles are like um, there. There's a, prayer, a prayer question. Yeah, there's a question in the in the spiritual life and in ministry of like what's more important, the active life or the contemplative life? The contemplative. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of mm -hmm. people would think like the active life. Like I right. just got to tell people who Jesus is, and it's like. No, you yeah. should, everything should flow from your prayer life. So, I mean, that's another thing I would say to people that are having struggles with ministry. First actually, of all, do they surrender that ministry to God? Yeah, and actually that's the thing. I'm, also, I'm reading a book uh, by Jean-Pierre, <coughs> yeah. uh, Making Time for God. Yeah. Jacques-Pierre. Jacques uh, no, Jacques Philippe. Jacques Philippe, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pierre. Well, you know, Sorry, I can see him as a Pierre. I can Jacques see that Philippe, could work out a little bit. <laughs> which, I, uh, yeah, which is, uh, you, actually, I'll give you that book, because that's a very short book, and it's easy. And it's amazing, because that's, it just helped me refocus on the fact, like, I need to start praying if I want my ministries to have any... <clears throat> Any, let's, any let's fruit. exchange books. You can give me a book and I'll give you a book. I have your book. I read your book. No, not, no, not my book. A book. You it. No, a book. You said for those, for those lesser people. Oh, John. no, I did not. That is awful. <laughs> for my I'm not John that kind Cox. of a person. Oh That's no. awful. Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's I, awesome. I just... I, I I just find it difficult to read philosophical books, and that's why I didn't do very well in philosophy yeah. class in college. Sure. No, I mean, <laughs> The Soul of the Apostle is not a philosophical book. Okay. It's it's a book of, like, establishing principles for your apostolate. But I think you're absolutely right, though. I think yeah. the reason why, um, <clears throat> I think what draws people into ministry definitely is, you know, they feel called. They feel like they, they want to be able to share what they experience with Christ. But I think for many of us, and I've had seasons of my life where it's been this way, too. After some time, you just, you forget the reason why you participated yeah. in the first place. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's almost like you need to kind of take a break. Yep. And, and and kind of go back and you know think and and, and kind of build up well, your relationship becomes, and like, like, pull like, it back out. Like Father was saying, it becomes very business mind where it becomes something to check off a list and you get right. all the tasks and things yeah. done and you're done. Yep. And I think that's the hard part of doing ministry. It's easy to get burned out in that sense where it becomes a job, yeah, as opposed to a ministry. Well, and I mean, like look at I mean, look at even John fifteen and um, just how it, a plant grows in general, yeah. like. Um, you know, unless, unless you are, unless you remain in me, uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Right. Unless you remain in me, you cannot bear fruit. Like, and think like, uh, have you ever wondered, like, this is actually a really beautiful prayer. Um, just for anybody who wants to do this, but have you ever read scripture and thought about Jesus, um, contemplating the images that he uses in so like when he says i'm the good shepherd like have you ever thought of him like wow what is a shepherd what are sheep how did i create them mm -hmm. you know or like why am i using like why did he use um trees and vine branches and a lot of these images right. and it's beautiful to think of him reflecting on those in his in his earthly life but also just to like what is it about those that um say something and, um, I mean, you look at a tree and it's like, it's not a checklist. It just like, <laughs> if the branches remain to the trunk and it receives nourishment, they'll produce fruit. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the principle of soul of the apostle. It's like, if you, unless you remain in Christ at all times, mm. um, and give your apostolate to him, it will, it will not bear fruit. Right. You know, and then what and happens? Then, then, yeah. yeah, what happens is we do the quick thing. We buy a program to fix the problem, and then and then yeah. you try to and then you try to take yeah. millennials and young people yeah. through the program, and they either feel like this is this is like artificial. school all over again, or it's yeah. artificial, mm -hmm. or I feel like I'm being sold a a Product. thing. Where it's like, no, what what 
what young people want to hear is what every single person has ever wanted to hear that, that you have meaning, like that your life is meaningful and not, not just in a way of like, you know, someone telling you like, Jesus loves you, you know, that like, that's, that's good. Um, but it, it, you have to, you have to know how to speak that to them. Um, which, which is why discipleship is, is beautiful because, um, you know, it's like, it's like, what do people do? What is discipleship? It's, it's walking with someone pointing out the meaning in their life as they encounter the suffering in their life. Mm. A program doesn't do that. No. A program will tell you where to look, but people want to be led by the hand through suffering, which is what Christ does for us. And that's why Jesus says it's important, like all Christians must take up their cross and follow me. Like you will encounter suffering, but just know that Christ is with you in all of that. And I mean, like really that's, that's how to engage the youth is to, um, actually know who Jesus is, what he has given to you, how he's redeemed your own suffering, your own life. Um, ask those deeper questions um, and be ready to have those answers. You know, that's one of the things in ministry, I always ask the question, like, how did Jesus have time to know these individuals? Sure. You know, as us we're doing ministry for a large parish, we're always asking, like, we're so busy dealing with the masses, so to speak, and dealing with large groups, it's hard to take that time to... Well, the administration, The administration yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you deal with those things? And I think that's that's one of the things I'm trying to figure out is taking the time and being present to people at the moment. Yeah. Uh, even though you have those thousand and one things going in the back of your mind. I know I heard a lot about John Paul too being like that. Like when you were with him, yeah, you're the only person only person in the room. Yeah. yeah. No, I think there's, there's a there's a beautiful part about that. I, I would also say like for lay people, that's a that's a grace that you have is that you know that you know the d disciples that jesus has given you mm. you know and like my first question to people in general is like who say you know i'm struggling in my ministry it's like how's your how's your family you know and like granted there's a lot of suffering that can happen in that and so it's not like it's not ever to say like you know you're doing it wrong or whatever um it's not a technique it's, yeah. yeah but it, yeah. No, no it's not yeah. it's not to it's not to criticize at all mm -hmm. but um you know, it's like, it's like in, in a way, Jesus entrusts these, these people to you, just like a, just like as a, as a priest, you know, he entrusts a parish to you. Now that's a lot, that's a lot of people. And so it's like, right. how do you invest in all those people? Right. You know, which is why I think homily prep is very important because it's like, you have eight minutes, but you can give it to 3000 people. Um, you know, what are you, you have eight minutes. That's a lot of time right? to say something over, over the course of weeks Yeah, and yeah. Uh, make it meaningful to them, mm -hmm. you know, but, um, I think, I think the bigger part is once they are inspired by the homily, then, <coughs> then what that's, I think that's the biggest question people have is like, okay, I want to do something. Right. How do you walk with them on that journey and help them discern like, this is where you're called to be in the parish well, I, or I think what's helpful is when yeah. you have small communities so you have a place that you can go to to decompress all of that information, share that, and then have some support. So you go to the cry room. <laughs> <laughs> like down here. This community right here. This is, you know, this right is here. the one we're talking Actually, about. Yeah, Joe and I have had a lot of therapy doing these podcasts. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. We should take yeah. this to Zoom. Anybody else want to get in a breakout yeah. room with me? Yeah. But like, uh, but like honestly, like that's, that's the thing is, is, is Jesus also said, and I, I, I just think that this is important to realize, is we go forward with... Um, just evangelizing, not just the youth, but people in general, that people either see the faith in a lot of ways as bad news or um, just a bunch of rule following, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and the, the truth is that Jesus says, 
I have come to give you life and to give your life to the full, that you may have life to the full. Mm -hmm. um, enter into my joy. And that, that's, like, that's like the central thing. And so it's like, it's like how, do you, how do you create that life? You yeah, know, that's, that is, that's what's interesting. As you're t talking, I'm like, I, I, want, I, want, I want you to come back in here after you've been a priest for a whole year and been in a parish. <laughs> no, because everything you're saying, I absolutely agree with. And I'm like, I want to see how you do it in a parish setting. Like how the, you, you yeah, that's that. the thing is like, I don't, yeah. so granted, I don't have these answers. All I, all I can speak. All right, well, but I mean like, but I mean like, but I mean like, I don't have, you know, I don't have all the answers. All I know is, all I know is like what, I'm a youth. Yeah. Why, why did I start? taking the faith so seriously and these i'm only speaking from experience yeah. you know like i i think i think that you've shared some very um insightful. beautiful you know insightful um considerations for all of us and and definitely the whole you know perspective that we have in the outlook and how we carry ourselves about the faith and whether we make that business focused or we really make that spiritual relational you know um to our core and how we share that with others so um, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast and encourage you to take a little bit of this information that Father CJ shared with you and, and share that with others that are in your circle and ask yourself, who are your disciples? But uh, do join us next time when we help you get stuck out of the cry room. God bless. Amen. Thank you. All right.